Join me for a hymn sing at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th, at Concordia University, Chicago. This year's theme, Things Above. Learn more and register at issuesetc.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. By the way, my brother-in-law Jimmy asked me about this a while back. Why does the Bible refer to Jesus as David's son when David lived a thousand years before Jesus was born? Well, the word son refers not merely to the immediate progeny from one's body, but to any progeny, no matter how remote. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the Gospel of St. Luke. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Well, remember in our previous study that the Sadducees, those folks who basically denied the supernatural, including the resurrection, decided to try their hand at humiliating Jesus. Good luck, right? They tried to show the unreasonableness of the resurrection. They did so with a story that was reminiscent of the book of Tobit in the Apocrypha. It had the same setup, a woman who had gone through seven husbands, who all died. Unlike Tobit, though, the woman died and died childless. So, which of the seven brothers will get to better in the resurrection? That's what they want to know. And they think that it's just going to show how silly a thing belief in the resurrection really is. They're proposing this, of course, to the man who declared himself in John 11:25 as the resurrection and the life. Jesus shows them that they are much mistaken. The resurrection does not mean the resumption of earthly institutions and categories like marriage. Rather, marriage is a pointer in this age toward a reality that will be realized in the age to come is going to be fulfilled and pass away. There is no marrying, no act of marriage in the age to come. We'll be as celibate there as the holy angels are now. But it doesn't mean we won't know one another and enjoy a closer union together as brother and sister in Christ than we ever knew in this age. Jesus turns to Exodus 3 to prove his point about the biblical nature of the resurrection. God speaks of himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus concludes, look, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living, because all live to him. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter, beginning at the 39th verse. Then some of the scribes answered, teacher, you have spoken well for they no longer dared to ask him any question. But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes 
who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Luke 20, verses 39 to 47. Let us pray. O morning star, how fair and bright you shine with God's own truth and light, aglow with grace and mercy. Of Jacob's race, King David's son, our Lord and Master, you have won our hearts to serve you only. Lowly, holy, great and glorious, all victorious, rich in blessing, rule and might or all possessing. Come, heavenly bridegroom, light divine, and deep within our hearts now shine, there light a flame undying. In your one body, let us be as living branches of a tree, your life, our lives, supplying. Now, though daily earth's deep sadness may perplex us and distress us, yet with heavenly joy you bless us. Amen. So you're ready to work through today's passage. Let's dig into it. Verse 39, then some of the scribes answered, teacher, you have spoken well. And from that response, we can assume that the scribes who compliment Jesus are actually of the Pharisee party. They may not have appreciated Jesus's flouting of their traditions about Sabbath or not insisting on the ritual washing of hands and his keeping company with the unsavory sorts and so on, but they love it when he shows up their ideological adversaries and proves them wrong. But do note, it was only some of the scribes who respond favorably to him here. I think that suggests that there are other scribes there who are keeping silent. Verse 40, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. So that they would be the Sadducees. They've realized the futility of trying to trick Jesus into saying something they can use against him or of trying to show him to be in the wrong, to be mistaken. But if they're now done with their testing of him, with their questions, he's just revving up. And does he ever have a humdinger to toss their way? Listen, verse 41. But he said to them, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? How can they who say? The last time we heard about the son of David was back when Jesus was entering Jericho and encountered the blind man. Remember, he wouldn't keep quiet. He kept shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The very first place in the gospel in which we hear it, though, is in the angel Gabriel's annunciation to the Virgin Mary. Luke 1, verse 31 and following. Listen, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And there in the angel's words is the answer to the puzzle Jesus poses them. Jesus is Son of the Most High, and Jesus will be given the throne of his father, David. And thus Jesus will have a kingdom and a reign that will stretch to the ages of ages. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. But the folks to whom Jesus is speaking here, they don't know that backstory, which you know. So they listen to the riddle 
and they set their puzzlers puzzling to see if there's a way to sort it out. Verse 42. For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, verse 43, until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, David is the author of Psalm 110. And beyond shadow of doubt, David is there speaking of the Messiah, the promised one. And he calls him my Lord. How can he speak that way about one who descends from him, from his own body? Hence, verse 44. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? As I said, you know the answer. Actually, not just from earlier in this gospel. Do you remember when we studied Romans, Romans 1? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. There it is again. According to the flesh, Jesus descends from David. And we know that is a legal descent through Joseph, see Matthew 1, and a natural descent through Mary, a descendant of David's son, Nathan, see Luke 3. Thus, Jesus, Israel's true Messiah, is indeed David's son or descendant and his Lord. By the way, my brother-in-law Jimmy asked me about this a while back. Why does the Bible refer to Jesus as David's son when David lived a thousand years before Jesus was born? Well, the word son refers not merely to the immediate progeny from one's body, but to any progeny, no matter how remote. Adam is our father. And we're his sons and daughters. Jesus is the son of David in the sense of being David's descendant. In modern parlance, we'd say that Jesus carries David's genes in him. But Jesus is also God's son, and that makes him to be David's Lord and his master. The one, in fact, that David sought to serve and honor and to whom he sang his lovely psalms. Verse 45. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts. So uh, this is a little awkward, right? He's talking here where people can hear him, and we may safely assume that the scribes who recently praised his answer to the Sadducees hear him as Jesus tells his disciples, don't be like them, them being the scribes with their long robes, their love of being acknowledged as holy people by the common people. They're sitting in the chief seats in the synagogues and they're taking places of honor at parties. Don't have such a high opinion of yourself, Jesus is saying. And don't put your piety on display to parade it around for others' admiration. Can you see the scribes looking at each other with anger in their eyes? If Jesus had just won their goodwill by silencing the Sadducees, he trashed all that by this overheard word to his disciples. But it gets worse, he adds, verse 47, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation. The devouring of widows' houses means taking financial advantage of those pious and godly women who seek to support them in their teaching and in their service to God. 
Remember all the warnings in Scripture against love of money, of possessions, of things. And then Jesus adds, and for a pretense, make long prayers. Triple ouch. They weren't praying to God, Jesus is saying. They're praying for the human audience, seeking to win their admiration and affection by the long prayers they uttered so piously and publicly. Here's St. Cyril of Alexandria's vivid depiction of these scribes. They walked in the streets, beautifully clothed, dragging with them a pompous dignity to catch the praises of those who saw them. While they were wicked and their hearts were full of all dishonesty, they falsely assumed the reputation of piety. With solemn ways, not based on reality, they diligently lengthened their prayers, supposing that unless they used many words, God would not know what their requests were. The Savior of all did not permit his worshipers to act so shamefully. That's where we're going to stop for today. Next up, we move into chapter 21. Jesus will be in the temple again, and we'll notice something beautiful to which he draws his disciples' attention. He watches the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. That means he's again teaching in the treasury. See, for example, John 8, verse 20. The rich were dumping in quite extravagant amounts, and amid all the clink of gold and silver coin, In slips a poor widow woman. She wants to give too, but she has so very little. Just two copper coins. Jesus, with the knowledge that he is never without, immediately knows the whole story. He points the widow woman out to the disciples and tells them that she has put in more than all the others because they gave out of their abundance. They gave the leftovers from the interest, if you will. But she, she expended all her capital. She gave, in fact, all she had to live on. She decided to be hungry for a bit and give to God rather than keep her coins and buy some bread. We'll have to ponder the implications of that for us all. C.S. Lewis will help us again. Till next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.